In these recent weeks, Muslims all around the world have been celebrating the holy season of Ramadan. Ramadan continues through tomorrow. And this year, this spring, the high holy days of all three Abrahamic faiths, Easter, Passover, Ramadan, all happened in the same month on top of each other. Ramadan is the most sacred season for Muslims, and it's a month long, and it consists of fasting, prayer, reflection, and community. Muslims throughout the month of Ramadan are expected to fast for all the daylight hours of the day. No food, no water, nothing to eat, nothing to drink from dawn to dusk. So for Muslims during Ramadan, you may know, this is a, there's a pre-dawn meal before the sun comes up, and then a nightly feast that begins as soon as the sun goes down and right after the call to prayer. That nightly feast is called an iftar. The iftar meal begins with eating dates and then a full course of wonderful food. On this past Monday night, Ginger and I were invited to an iftar, this end-of-the-day meal at Amir Mediterranean Restaurant, which is on Lombardi Street. The occasion was a gathering of a group known as the Faith Forum. And some of you know that I've been part of the Faith Forum for many years. This is a group of interfaith leaders who seek to know one another, who seek to build bridges in Greater Richmond, working together on more respect, more compassion, more justice, more love in our city. On this past Monday night, we gathered around 7.30 p.m. We shared good fellowship for the first time in more than two years. We haven't been together. And then at sundown, about 8 p.m., we heard the call to prayer, and a few took a moment to pray. And then we were offered dates at our table, a sweet, tasty snack before sharing a very grand feast of bread and hummus, falafel and tabbouleh, chicken, beef, salad, and many more fine tastings. The evening was enjoyable. The fellowship was even more memorable. There were about 15 Christians there, a few Presbyterians, a few Lutherans, a few Catholics, and a couple others. There were about 15 of our Jewish friends there, and there were 15 or so Muslims present, including one who spoke about the recent destruction of the Western Mosque being built in Western Henrico Henrico County. My good friends, Rabbi Michael Knopf from Temple Bethel and Imam Amar Amanet from the Virginia Islamic Center, each of whom spoke here, Um, last October 2020 on our Interfaith Sunday, they were present also. How do we be Easter people in an interfaith world? The world we live in, whether we like it or not, is very much an interfaith world. I think Jesus keeps wanting us to reach out and build bridges and be faithful building relationships, building community in this interfaith world, and especially work together on justice and equity and hope for all God's children everywhere. 
As we build relationships in this interfaith world, it must be less on certitude and more on humility. It must be less about our varying beliefs and more about compassion and commitments that bring us together and help us work for a just and equitable society. It has to be less about our differences and more about our connectedness, especially our human kindness. Human kindness is certainly something that is lacking in our culture, in our whole world in these days. As we continue to celebrate Easter, we've already heard from the prophet Isaiah today. The words are in the bulletin. It's a wonderful image of community and working together, deliverance and joy and gladness about what we're called to do. This is what God wants in the world. And we keep worshiping under these great Easter banners that remind us of the very gospel message. And we have a story. It comes from the last chapter in the Gospel of John, John 21. I'm going to read it. Jesus, just for context, has already been raised from the dead. Jesus has appeared to the disciples. Even a week later, Jesus has come into the room and confronted Thomas, who said, let me see your hands, and then I'll believe it. And he showed him his hands. And then a while later, uh, Jesus appears again on the beach. And the disciples, remember the disciples are mostly fishermen. After the resurrection, they said, we're going fishing. They did, and they didn't catch anything. But coming back to the shore, they see on the shore the risen Jesus. And Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And they did it. And they didn't even have enough people to pull in the heavy nets because they were so full. And then we get to this passage that's printed in the bulletin. Listen, or read along. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. I wonder who counted those. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, 
When you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. There's some beautiful and intriguing things about this passage in John 21. In the first line, there's this reference to a charcoal fire. Jesus asked Peter to bring some of the fish from this recent catch. This seems like a casual incident, a casual unfolding of events. Fresh fish being caught a charcoal fire burning. But earlier in this story of Jesus and his disciples, there was another charcoal fire. And it involved Peter. In John chapter 18, you may remember, prior to Jesus' death and persecution and resurrection, a charcoal fire was burning. It was warming Peter's face when he was asked, do you know that man, Jesus? And Peter said, no. A charcoal fire heard Peter say he was not one of Jesus' disciples. And then Peter stood standing and warming his hands by the charcoal fire, and they asked him again, were you not with Jesus? He said he was not. And then the cock crowed. Now we have another charcoal fire and Peter's reunion with Jesus. There's a charcoal fire. Jesus says, bring some fish over. Let's have breakfast. God and God's ways, God and God's love always gets the last word. Remember, with God, the worst thing, a denial, a mistake, a terrible nightmare, the worst thing that could happen to you anywhere, anytime, with God, the worst thing is not the last thing. God is about reunions. God is about redemptions. God is about resurrection. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, is invited to breakfast around a charcoal fire with the risen Lord. That is a picture of God's steadfast love. We should never miss it. And then there's this conversation between Jesus and Peter. Do you remember uh, that quote that gets passed around? All that the forces of evil need to prevail in the world is for enough good people to do nothing. That's been an important line for a long time. Maybe all through the civil rights of the 60s, good people do nothing. That's the problem. That's been a quote maybe through the Cold War season. Good people do nothing. That's the problem. The prime minister of Ukraine 
Zelensky has been saying this over and over for two months. Maybe following the resurrection, this is what Jesus was worried about. Good people would do nothing. I recall the famous line from Nietzsche, the 19th century philosopher and critic, show me that you're redeemed and I'll believe in your Redeemer. Show me that you are redeemed and I'll believe in your Redeemer. Do we demonstrate that we are redeemed by the way we live as Easter people? Do we? This is our calling. So there's this conversation with Peter around the charcoal fire, and Jesus asked Peter three questions. Do you love me more than these other disciples? Now, remember Peter in so many passages before this one. He was so quick to elevate his importance. He was one to brag about his amazing loyalty to Jesus. And here, maybe because of the previous charcoal fire, he has a dose of humility because he doesn't jump up in exclamation. Peter simply responds, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He didn't say, I love you more than everybody. He simply said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus responds, feed my lambs, please. Now, please is not in the text that you have uh, before you. But please should be inserted there because it's not just a directive from Jesus. It's a hopeful urging from Jesus. It's, it's like a request that sounds like a new calling for Jesus' disciples. It's a big expectation and it's a heartfelt plea from Jesus. Please feed my lambs. And the idea of Who's that? Well, that's the weakest. That's the most needy. That's the easily lost. That's whom Jesus cares most about and mentions first. What Jesus says, what Jesus means, what Jesus wants us to do, and he says it three times, please take really good care of the people that I care most about. That's what's important. Jesus. Notice, Jesus doesn't ask, are your beliefs all coherent? Can you articulate faith perfectly? Is everything orthodox with you? He didn't ask that. Nor did he say, are you living a perfect life? Are you obeying all the rules? He didn't ask that. Nor did he say, this is how you get to heaven. Jesus says, do you love me? Three times, please, please take care of my people. Take care of my people. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, shepherd my people. How do we be Easter people in an interfaith, complex world? My lambs, my sheep, my people. Jesus wants us to care for others. Jesus wants us to extend love and grace wherever we can. Jesus wants to help us to help build up, support all people, whoever comes across our path. Not just people who we know, 
not just people who look like us, not just people who think like us, not even just people who believe like us. He says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, shepherd my people. We have lots of problems that we might be worried about. We got this horrific war going on in Ukraine, and probably, if you're like me, you're worried, where's it going to end? Maybe a world war? Who knows? We have growing divisions among our culture. You could even call it hatred. It seems to blossom everywhere. You see it in politics at every level. You see it in the media. You see it in the streets. You see it on airplanes. It's every social platform. I continue to read so many articles written by so many smart, concerned people about our society and about our world. And what do they say? Tribalism, animosity, despair, rage. These are the words that describe our culture, our times. How do we live as Easter people? Jesus has a viable and always appropriate heartfelt plea, expectation, urging, invitation to all of us. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Please shepherd my people. Please. Jesus says, follow me. Because that's what he did. He loved. He cared. He helped. He healed. He spread human kindness. Kindness. Human kindness. We claim to be a Matthew 25 church in this congregation. That means we seek to be a church that does everything as if we're doing it to Jesus. You know, feed the hungry, visit the prisoner, clothe the naked, give water to the thirsty, as, we're, as if we're doing it to Jesus. It's a wonderful goal. You know what? We could also get on that same road and say we're a John 21 church. What do we do? We tend, we feed, we shepherd, we help. This is how we live. This is how we want to follow Jesus. It's what we do that matters. Sometimes we may be thinking, goodness, I can't do anything about this situation in Ukraine. I can't even keep up with all the scary news that's happening every day. Can't even... Think about what I'm going to do this week to make a difference. How do we live? What do we do? Here's what we do. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what we all should be doing. We can pay attention to the people who come across our paths. And we can see them as Jesus sees them. Tend my sheep, please. Love my people, please. We can resist the temptation to demonize everyone who doesn't think like us. And we can recognize and dial back our own contributions to the animosity. And we can each bring some healing to the divisions just by how we live and what we do. We can help where we can. We can pay attention to the depth of our own character. Can we be more noble? Can we be more, more neighborly? This is what we have to keep asking. What's more noble? What's more neighborly? 
we can really and truly seek to be the people Jesus calls us to be. People who tend, people who feed, people who help, people who care, people who shepherd, people who Jesus says, follow, follow me. Today we gather at this Lord's table. As you come forward today, I invite you to open your hands. Open your hands because you'll be given the bread of life. It's Jesus feeding you. And open your heart to the way you might be strengthened as living, tending, loving, going, serving. And when you return to your seats, as we return with bread and cup and as we seek to follow Jesus, we're called to feed my lambs. We're called to tend Jesus' people, shepherd all people. That's everyone we meet, everyone. May we, in the power of Jesus and in the power of God's Spirit, even in this complex and interfaith world, may we embody each of us, the light, the love, the peace, the presence of Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise, to open our hearts, to seek to follow you. Well, that is to abide forever. We seek the way following Jesus. Amen.